0: Thanks for joining us on our C3 Edinburgh podcast. We really hope this message inspires and encourages you in your life with Jesus. To find out more about our welcoming and vibrant church community, please check us out online at www.c3edinburgh.com or find us on Instagram or Facebook. Keep in touch and be part of the story. Now enough from me. You've come to hear the podcast and be blessed. The thing is with seasons, it's uh, it's about it's about change. Summer is coming to an end. Are you feeling the vibe? Yeah. I'm noticing the leaves outside my house. They're, they're not looking so robust and full of um, green, greenness and fluid or something. They look a little wilty. And I'm tell- my wife, Lisa, she wishes she could be here. She's in Australia visiting our new niece. But um, I'm telling her on the phone every night, Lisa, you're going to come back and the leaves are going to be really different. It's happening. It's happening before my eyes. By the time she gets back in three weeks' time, I reckon they're going to be all brown and red because seasons. Because change. So my first question, I guess, that we can play with, and you'll see the poll develop as we go, how do you feel about change? What do you do that now? How do you feel about change? It's a multiple choice. Um, Maybe you hate change. Maybe you're... uh, Do you have it? Yeah? Uh, Maybe you're ambivalent. Maybe you love change. And that'll start to populate as we go. Because I'm going to tell you, I don't want to ruin everything, but I'm going to tell you that um, the population, the statisticians think, believe from stats, that the majority of the population are change-averse. We don't like change that much. We say we like change, or love change, but we don't really like change. We like change as a concept. And then when you have to actually do the change, you go, uh, I, was re- I was looking, who follows um, uh, very British problems or something? Very, anybody? You know what I'm talking about? If you don't, it's very funny. But it, it sort of talks about, um, uh, the one I read recently was about getting ready and weeping and getting really anxious and hoping you could stay home from a social event that you yourself planned because you don't actually want to go now that it's come. You actually would rather stay at home with a duvet and watch Netflix or something. Like, change is great until you have to do the change. The majority of the population doesn't like change. But here's the thing, though. Change is a part of life. The world revolves around change, physically, literally. Seasons happen all around us. It's, it's, It's a part of change. This is my sixth winter, sixth winter in Scotland. And my first winter in Scotland was not very successful for me. I... I thought, I brought all of my warmest clothes from Australia, which now I know wouldn't, is, isn't really fit for a spring or an autumn, let alone a winter here. Uh, and, and I got some nice new shoes because I thought, you know, I want to have nice new shoes in Scotland. But I got these sort of suede things. Anyone know, know that you ruin suede very quickly in uh, Scottish winter? or a Scottish summer, or any time where there's... But, you know, it, it, they got ruined. And then I learnt some really important things about it. I learned, uh, And it's true, my other subsequent winters have been fine because I learnt that there's no such thing as poor weather. Come on, if you've lived in Scotland, you already know this. There's only poor clothing choices. I also learned that it isn't the, the cold, actually, that I found the hardest thing to grapple of a brand-new winter for me six winters ago. It was uh, actually the dark. It was the, it, it, was the, it was the 3.30 p.m. sunset and the, like, 8.30 or 9, whatever, sunrise. And so I'd subsequently find myself living before work and after work and everything, just in the dark. And I'd look out the window and I'd say, oh, there's some sun or light. But by the time I went out, it was dark. <laughs> Seriously, there's a... Um, there's a uh, Effective, there's a mental health disorder. It's called Seasonal Affective Disorder. It's S-A-D. It's SAD. Um, and it's, and it's, a, it's a diagnosable form of depression that is uh, acknowledged by its, the seasonal variation of it. It usually is something that hits a person who suffers from this in the winter for other but equally importantly environmental reasons. You live in the dark, you live in the cold, and it affects you. And I don't want to talk about seasonal affective disorder as a mental health thing, but I want to pose something to you this morning that many people experience a kind of soul seasonal affective disorder in their life, through the seasons of their life. And I'm not talking now about physical seasons, right? I'm talking about the seasons of life that you go through, it's like a deep funk. It's like, a, it's, like, it's like you're faced with a new set of experiences or circumstances or situations or, or, or a step up in them or there's a shift coming and, you, and, and everybody here, if you've been alive for longer than 15 years and everybody here has been, you know you've lived through seasons. Not physical, emotional, circumstantial, just life seasons. It's that feeling that Man, I've just started, but I'm already feeling, I don't know if I can do it. I don't know if I'm built for this. Well, how did I get here? I thought it was such a good idea that time, and now what am I doing? It's bigger than me. Many ex- people have experienced it. Many will experience it this year, I'm just saying. And some of us experiencing it even right now, today. When I'm saying this, you're like, that's, <laughs> that's actually me, Nathan. Maybe it's that journey of a new job or a new relationship or in that new course of study or that new habit or discipline you're trying to build, that new set of circumstances that you may or may not even ask for but you find yourself walking into and it involves moving from that restless unease because here's the thing about seasons, right? Here's how you know it's time to move from a season. You start feeling restless in your life. Something isn't right. It's, everything's okay. Nothing's changed circumstantially but God is leading you into a new season. You, you, you feel it in the winds of your soul before it happens. You feel restless. Then when you start the new season, you're really excited. You get the letter. You're so excited. But then, you know, six weeks in or eight weeks in or three months into your new season, you start going, I don't know if I'm built for this. Or a year in or two years in or five years in. Am I still here? When will the breakthrough come? This is a longer season than I thought it would be. The reason why we're preaching this series is that too many people believe that God is interested only in your eternal destination rather than your today. But God is God of the seasons. He designed them. He said, I want that leaf to turn that color in this season. And he said, over your life, I have a desire to bring you from this space into this space to help you, to grow you, to build you, and for the people around you, and it's going to mean change. I am the author and the perfecter of it. I'm interested in it. He's interested in where you're at today. And here's my good news for you. Here's my good news. Are you ready for my good news? I hope you're ready. My good news for you today is that in Christ, you have enough for what you're doing for your season now and for the season you're about to go in. In Christ today, you have this, the de- a deeper source than you could ever understand. You have a deeper source of peace to, with, to draw on, a deeper sense of joy to draw on, a deeper sense of purpose to draw on, a power to thrive whatever season. Seasons look different, but the core of you can thrive in every season. That's what this series is about as you step into your next one. So the title of this message is Seasonal Home Truths. If you're writing stuff, Seasonal Home Truths. And I'm going to change the Slido. The new poll on Slido now is a nice open um, cloud adding one. And what I'd like to um, invite you to do is as this message continues, I want you to join in with the things that are resonating with you. Um, the tricky thing about the software is that if you write a big sentence, it'll freak out, so you've got to summarise it in like a word or two, but it will populate a cloud and after the service, somehow, we'll get it on the screen, so as we're having coffee, you can go, wow, we all shared that. What's resonating with you about seasonal home truths this morning? You can make it anonymous, by the way, or you can add your name, whatever you want. I believe... we're moving into a new season as a church too, by the way, and not just because we're moving to a new location, and not just because summertime is over and things are about to shift. I think, I believe that God is taking this church, our church, into an incredible new season this year. He's been readying myself and Lisa, he's been readying the team, he's been readying us for this season uh, for a while, so if you're uh, coming back to the city this week or the next few weeks or if you're a guest with us, you, I'm telling you, you couldn't be in a better place. You really couldn't be in a better place. Something is about to happen. You know when you see these early adopters of um, innovations and things like that? The, remember when I got, the, I got the first iPad or the, all those kinds of things? That wasn't a very good example, but I'm, I'm winging it. You have the opportunity, like we all do, to, to be able to say in years to come, Where were you when God took this church into this next season? You can say, I was here, ma'am. I shared it. I helped it. I built it. It was a part of me. Okay, I better preach. Father God, I pray. We prayed and I pray again. We're interested in what you have to say, so come and speak because we're listening. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn with me to Genesis, that first book in the Bible, on your... Device or on your in the book. Turn to Genesis 11. And and this week I'm gonna what I'm gonna do. I'll let you know ahead of time. What I'm going to do is I'm going to take some heroes in the Bible at season change moments of their life over the next few weeks. And this week I'm going to start with one of my favorites, maybe one of yours. I don't know if you've read it or not. Um, about Abraham. Here he's going to be called Abraham. But if I'm going to get confused if I keep going Abraham, Abraham. So if, with your permission, can I just just go Abraham all the time? And when you read it and you say, Nathan, it clearly says Abraham, I'll say, but remember we had that conversation and it's okay. Okay. So I'm just going to, just go with me. Genesis 11, 27 to 28. It says this. This is the account of Terah's family. Terah was the father of Abraham, Nahor, and Haran. And Haran was the father of Lot. But Haran died in Ur of the Chaldeans, the land of his birth, while his father, Terah, was still living. There was only, like, one reference to Abraham just there, but I, I think it's important to start here. You know Abraham, you know the song, anyone, did anyone go to Sunday school with the song? Father Abraham had many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham. The three of us knew it, and the rest of us knew it, but didn't want to sing it. Father Abraham had many sons, but did you know that Father Abraham had a couple of brothers? So, I don't usually start there, but he had a couple of brothers too. A guy called uh, Nahor and a guy called Haran. That's interesting. Did you know that he? We we hear about him uh, coming into a promised land, but sometimes we just need to recall that he. That's not his start. His beginning was he was in Ur, a place called Ur. He was Uriz. He was Urian. He was he was he was from he was that's where he was living. That's where he was raised. And he was accustomed because sometimes we put Abraham on a pedestal, as we should. He was the father of uh, the massive faiths of um, Christianity, Islam, Judaism, this Abrahamic faiths started with this story. If you want to get an understanding of a lot of philosophy and a lot of history around the planet, you can start in Genesis 11. It, it, it begins here. And so we put him on a pedestal and we should, but let's stop for a second and understand that he was also a guy just like us, a person, a human just like us. And he had brothers and he grew up in a place at a time. He, uh, he, he met... A woman, and he got married. He um, he enjoyed his brothers getting married, and they had parties, and they they enjoyed life. They had break heart, heart they had broken heartedness. They lived through tragedy. Um, we, we're about to read that Abraham and his wife Sarah uh, they can't have a child. The child's not not coming, and there's the heartache related to that. And we just hear it here. I don't know if you've ever read this before, but he lost a brother. His brother died. He, this great father Abraham, who had many sons, and many sons had father Abraham, he also had brothers, he also had tragedy, he also had joy, and he was just like you and I in all of these ways. My point is, when we're talking about seasons, when we're talking about what God can do with a life, it's as valid and open to you as it has been to anyone else in all of history. And it's important to remember that going forward because it means whatever we take from here is absolutely applicable to you. But let's read on. 31 to 32. One day, Terah took his son Abraham and his son, daughter-in-law Sarai, uh, his son Abraham's wife, and his grandson Lot, and this, his son that, that was his son Haran's child. Haran had passed away, remember, so Lot is now with this his grandfather, and they moved away from Ur. When we're talking about new seasons, they began a new season on that day. They moved away from Ur. And he was headed for the land of Canaan, which, by the way, and I'm sorry to keep starting and stopping, but there's a lot of context here that's important. They don't know this yet, but this is what God will call the promised land. And right now, they're just having a new adventure as far as we know. He was headed to the land of Canaan, but they stopped at Haran and settled there. Now, that's interesting. We're going to come back to that. Haran. They stopped at Haran and they settled there. Terah lived to 205 years and he died while still in Haran. So, this is a story, or this is a pit stop of what happens in a life When you start on a journey, you start on a dream, you start on a new season, but something happens in your world and you find yourself stuck there. You find yourself settling somewhere where you didn't intend. And now here's something fascinating, something that blows my mind that I'd never read before, that I'd never seen before. What was the name of the brother who passed away? Haran. What was the name of the town they couldn't make it through? Haran. I thought I was just reading double words. But the name of the son that they lost and the name of the village they couldn't make it through was Haran. That's fascinating. Can I put it to you this morning that we may be witness here to a whole family stuck in their heartbreak, stuck in their mourning, stuck in their past as they come through Haran on the way to Canaan, it kindles too much history. It kindles too much heartbreak. It said, but we lost our brother in Ur. We lost our brother here. We can't go forward. Let's, let's settle here. I think there's something about the name. We should settle here. We're not going to move on, actually. Let's stop. Let's put up a tent here. Let's put our, our foot roots down here. I know we were going to, but I don't think we can We find ourselves potentially witness here to a family stuck in their heartbreak, to a degree that they find themselves stuck before they were meant to stop. They had a plan to move to Canaan, but they couldn't move past Haran. And see, there are people here in our worlds, and if we're honest, sometimes us, who never realize the dream that we know is on us and in us because we settle too early. We settle too early because of the narrative of a story that's inside of us that holds us back. I knew a woman who was um, um, single and loving single for a long period of her time. Um, she had a couple of children, and they were now adolescent children, and her marriage didn't work out, and she was she a was single mum, and she was incredible at it. It came to a stage where she was... Uh, looking to meet somebody new. And she was waiting and she was praying and she was um, seeking and she was getting uncomfortable with it and she was restless in it and nothing was breaking open for her. And she was really open with me about it and we were sharing the journey. And, and um, she couldn't understand. She's like, why isn't God bringing me this partner that I'm praying for? Why isn't God doing this? One day, she came to me and she said, guess what, Nathan? I, I've met someone. It's, it's okay, I said, well, that's that's an interesting response because usually when you meet someone, there's butterflies and there's sparks and it's the best thing in the world. And you're eh, said, yeah, he's okay. I'm like well, that's okay. Well, maybe you're very mature and you're just keeping it calm. Uh, and but it was still okay after a couple of months. It was still okay after a year or two. She, the 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 gentleman met the adolescent kids and um, they were like, it's okay. I don't really. Her heart it was just okay. It was, and, and, and I was confused about it. I'm like, that's an interesting thing. I'm, I, I don't know what's in your life. I don't. But after a while, something funny happened. It seemed like instead of seeing whether this is a good fit, it got to this awkward stage where now they've been together for so long, it was like now weird to. It had gone past the natural stage of it's not working or it's working. It's like, well, now that we've been together for so long, we might as well be together forever. And they, they kind of got married, and, they're, and, they're, and it was okay. The marriage didn't really work, and it didn't really last, which was tragic, I'm not sharing all of this because um, I'm just letting you know how it goes, how it went, but in, in the post-game conversations in the years to follow, she would admit that I kind of felt like I was stuck, uh, I kind of felt like after a couple of years of being with this guy who was just okay for me and just okay with my kids and it wasn't really gelling, I just got stuck in her rant, she didn't use those words, but you know what I mean when I say that. It was too weird to leave, so we just progressed, and then it just never got any better. It's because she got stuck in a story. The story she got stuck in was, I'll never find anybody else. She got stuck in a story of, well, this is the best I'm going to get. She was praying for a promised land. She had a promise on the inside of her for the thing, but when she got to Haran, she said, I'm not deserving of more. She got stuck in Haran. Some settle because they can't bring themselves to leave because they don't think they deserve to leave. Or or some settle because they're so connected with the story of their their defined past, they can't leave it behind them. Their their own story is the barrier to their promised future. They become stuck because they can't see the future beyond it. Lisa and I, we copped a lot of criticism we do most things all, you know, but we we copped a lot of criticism back in my day because I grew up in a suburb in Australia where my family and her family are lovely, they're our heroes, but we grew up in a socioeconomic um, story that told us that we lived in this area of Canberra that you don't move to a different area of Canberra because that's, where the posh people live. And, that's, and we live here and we're comfortable with you know what we do. And so when Lisa and I were going to the C3 in Cambridge, happened to be on that side of town, and we were loving it and we were ministering to it and we lived in the UK for a year, we moved back. We're like, we need to, we're going to build our life around the church. We love the house of God. In fact, where are we going to buy a home? Let's buy a home near where the church is. We copped a lot of criticism from our family who said, who do you think you are moving out of the area that we all know is your thing? and moving to this area where, that's where the push people go. You know, those kinds of things. You see, it's easy to get stuck in Haran. It's easy to get stuck in your story. You should have seen the way it went when we said we we're going to move and plant a church in Scotland. We nearly got stuck because I grew up with that. You grew up in your culture. You grew up in your story. I'm not saying reject your story. I'm not saying your story doesn't have a sway. I consistently have to walk through my story and go, but I'm that guy who lived in that house doing that thing. Who am I to be over here doing the stuff I get to do here? Can I share? How? When I'm confronted with my story, when I'm confronted with my haran and I don't know what to do? I let God challenge it. The only person who can challenge my story and win is the Lord my God. See, I was never meant to believe so big. My story wasn't supposed to launch to all the incredible things that are happening here. But I allowed God to challenge it. And whenever I place Jesus into an area of my life, he challenges me to a bigger, broader, more open space. And he'll do the same with you. I'm letting my message, of which I've got three great points. I'm just telling stories and I haven't got to any point yet. Is that okay? And, if, and if, I, if I run out of time, people, we love stories, don't we? So this is okay. I've shared a story of my friend. I've shared a story of Lisa and I. I want to share a story with somebody else. This is very recent. I was speaking with someone this week um, and I won't... I won't um, let you know who it is, but I've, they're happy with me to share. Um, I, was le- I was talking to someone this week, and um, he, was feeling, he was feeling a little bit perplexed and overwhelmed in, in life, and, and it, he didn't know I was going to preach about Haran, but he confessed with me that he couldn't shake that feeling that, that he just didn't have the goods to pull through in the season that he's in. He, 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 he said, look, I don't think, I don't know how I got here, but I don't think I have the talent to remain here. I don't think I have the social capital to remain here. Everybody else seems to know what they're doing and I don't. I don't think I have the charisma to make a mark here. I'm I'm the one who starts talking in a story and everyone speaks over me. I don't think I have it. He looked dejected. I said, well, how did you get here? He said, I think it was just, I'm just willing. Just willing to give it a go. But here's the thing I was, about, I was able to share with him. I said, and he's a believer, I said, look at the Bible, do your homework, and please go and prove me wrong. Look at everyone God used from Genesis to Revelation all the way through, and get back to me if you ever find anybody who had anything else going for them except a heart of willingness. Find anybody that God used because of uh, social capital or charisma or uh, inherent awesomeness. I'll show you plenty of people who tried and failed. I oh, know you're thinking, David, but I'm saying, no, David was the forgotten one out in the field, he was the last to be chosen. You probably have others, but that was the one that I was like, no, David, surely. He was, wrote most of the Psalms and stuff. In Haran, there's a sense of inadequacy. In Haran, there's a, there's a, there's a story that you can't break. In Haran, it might be even connection to your, to, to, to your history. But if the season before you is a promised land season, then you can't afford to stay in Haran. What's your story? Where's your Huran? My first, (laughs) I'm clearly not going to get to all of them, but my first seasonal home truth for you to help you in the face of any season you're going through, any potential seasonal affective disorder, for your soul I mean, that you're going through, is this. As you start to brace this new season in your business or your uni or your relationship or your ministry, you'll have a hundred voices telling you to settle, but only one voice counts. And that's the voice of God. Only one voice will get you out, and that's his voice. Let me show you. Let me prove it to you with Genesis 12. We've just moved a little bit in the word here. It says, because they're in Haran, they're settled in Haran. Terah, the dad, has died in Haran. Now it's Abraham and Lot and Sarah. Then the Lord said, while they're in their stuck place, leave your native country, your relatives, your father's family, and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous. And you will be a blessing to others. I will bless you, those who bless you, and I will curse those who treat you with contempt. And all the families on the earth will be blessed through you. Do you see what it took to change the narrative of Abraham? God challenged it. And the reason why we count uh, Abraham as one of the the fathers of faith and one of these is because he believed him. He gave him, what God did in that moment was he gave them the eternity perspective. You and I will live with the not eternity perspective most of the time. But sometimes what you need is the ability to look as if from the end of your life looking back and say, well, I can't afford to get stuck there if God's called me over to here. I can't afford to make a decision about my relationship here for this early instant gratification when God's promised me something incredible over here. That's not actually worth it when I look from an eternal perspective. I can't give up on this here. I want to give it up, but if I give it up, but God has said if I just keep going, I get to here. I'm not going to shortchange what God has said to me. I'm going to see with what God said. God challenged Abraham's story. The Lord's voice cut above the others and gave him that perspective. My friend, keep an eternal perspective and you'll find yourself galvanized in your season. Keep an eternal perspective and you'll find yourself galvanized in the season you're about to start in. By the way, by the way, how am I doing? Needed wrapping up soon. By the way, this is a fascinating idea here. Can I share? I just stop everything to share these by the ways that I'm having revelations as I'm preparing a message and here's one of them. Remember how I said earlier that Abraham and his family were going to Canaan anyway before God said anything? That's interesting and remember all the preaching, everything I do, you know, you hear about this promise that Abraham agrees with, and he goes, and it, go from Ur. I always read in the Bible, I tend to start here, go to Ur, go to, go to Canaan. And Abraham says, yes, I will. And I rarely read this before part that we've done today. So here's what strikes me as interesting. Sometimes the very direction that God is giving you, He's actually been giving you for a long time in your heart. See, so you and I sometimes are so stressed about asking God for direction. And then we get suspicious because when God gives us a direction that was actually where we were going to go anyway, we go, well, that's probably just me then because I already wanted that. Because Abraham would have gone maybe, well, I was already going to Canaan. Why are you calling me out to a promise? I was already going to go there until this whole thing sidelined, sidetracked me. And this is powerful, by the way. This is not my point of the message about seasons, but it's about you and the way you hear from God. Some of the things that God is saying to you, he's already been saying to you for ages. People ask me all the time, um, one of the first conversations when I say I'm a I'm pastor planning C3 Edinburgh uh, in Scotland um, and I talk like this, they go, "Oh, so, but you're so why... Why Scotland and, and wh- why Edinburgh? And, and, and I wish that I had a beautiful angel story. Like, wouldn't it be awesome if when you asked me that, I said, because I saw a burning bush and it was burning and then I went there and angels came and Gabriel and Michael, the whole crew, and they said, Nathan, we're sending you there, and and everything happened, and I didn't even catch a plane because a a, a golden bridge went from Australia to Scotland, and I just walked along there. (laughs) When actually the story is much different. The story is a journey that lasted years between God convincing me out of my own story and into the, the thing that, you, there's a church on the inside of you, Nathan and Lisa, that you are to plan. And when we finally got over ourselves and said, okay, we believe you, but where? He said, where do you want to go? We need churches all over this planet. We need powerful churches everywhere. Where's in your heart? And we had three favorite cities on the planet. It's almost as simple as this. Canberra, where I grew up, Bateman's Bay, full of sand and beach and sun, and Edinburgh, which was crazy. There was no angels in that story, but time after time he confirmed in my spirit and again and again that it is, and it's been in your heart the whole time. What's what's in your story that you'll find in your future was always in your heart. I've run out of time, so I'm not going to get to the third one. We'll have to figure out what we do, Miles, about times like this, won't we? Maybe, maybe next week, but maybe a whole different one this week. Um, let me make this into a second seasonal home truth, because it's a powerful one. Sometimes you're going to start something new, and sometimes you have, you're in the middle of starting something new, and you're anxious. I might need someone to help me play, actually. Thank you, Stry. In the face of what am I doing with all that I've got? How do I know God is in this? How do I know that the Lord is here? How do I know that he's looking after me in this thing? It seems overwhelming what I'm about to begin or what I'm in the middle of. Can I help you this morning by letting you know of this beautiful scripture called Proverbs 3, 5 to 6. And it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all that you do and he'll show you which path to take. My friend, be prayerful if you're anxious today and you don't know what God has said, be prayerful, even fast. Fasting and praying is a powerful way that I can talk about another time on the bigger decisions. But then once you've made it prayerfully with your heart, laying it all down, lay it down, put one foot in front of the other and walk out your season. God's not hard of speaking and he'll guide you as you go. Trust Him to be your guide in your world this year. Be open-hearted, be open-handed in your business. Be open-hearted, be open-handed in your family and your study and your ministry area. Those are two incredible keys in being ready throughout any season in your soul to avoid any sense of of dysphoria in your in your journey lay it all before the Lord lay it all before him and allow him to challenge to get you out of Haran